Welcome to Creative Disruption. I'm your host, Ricky Ray Butler, and I am so excited about today's session um, and this episode with Davis Burleson. Um, Davis, I think, is one of the most revolutionary and innovative interviewers out there with the What's Poppin' Show or the What's Poppin' Show with Davis. Um, Davis, welcome. Hi, Ricky. Thank you so much for having me. I am so thankful to have you. Thank you for making the time for this. And so, Davis, I'd like to just get some more of a background because I just know this. Two years ago, you were a DoorDash driver. Yes. And then during quarantine, you just exploded on TikTok. Right. And, and um, you've really taken the world by storm. Uh, there's been a lot of accomplishments. And, and, and the momentum's still there. It's just going to keep exploding. And so tell us a little about yourself. Where are you from? Uh, what inspired you to get into content? Yeah, so whenever quarantine hit, I had always wanted to create content. My dream since I was like in middle school was to be a YouTuber. And I always told myself, I'm going to be a YouTuber once I graduate college, because then once I'm out of college, no one can make fun of me anymore. Like no one can make fun of me for creating content or doing any of that. So when COVID hit, I was just alone in my house. I wasn't going to school anymore. I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. And uh, I was like, this is my time. I mean, no one can make fun of me. I'm, I'm, we're locked up in the house. <laughs> so I started creating content from my bedroom. And since I had nothing to do, I literally, I was had, I had the blessing that I had nothing to do. So I made it my job. Honestly, I'd wake up every day at like 8 a.m. And I would strategize. I'm like, I'm going to post five videos a day. So I would like strategize what my five videos a day would be for that day. And I would eat, like, I, 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 I treated it like it was, it was my full-time job. And I did that every day for about six months. And it slowly, slowly started to build, not that much, but like kind of, I got about probably like 15,000 followers from that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved to New York in August of 2020 for school to go to Parsons School of Design. And I was going for culture and media. And uh, I was still doing TikTok, my, my, tic, my personal TikTok at Davis Burleson. I was starting to create a lot of comedy skits and also a lot of lifestyle and like vlogs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, a company had seen my TikToks and approached me about creating this idea of what what's popping is now. This idea of a show to interview strangers around New York um, and ask them fun interview questions. And I was like, I have to take this opportunity. I'm totally down for this. Let's start this from literally zero followers. Let's start a brand new account and just let's go out there and see what happens. And so um, I took a leap of faith and we got, they got me like a videographer. We went out there, started recording. And at this time, it was like prime COVID. So like everyone had their masks on. I had my mask on. Um, also, I wasn't very comfortable in front of a camera. So we went out there, we recorded, we went to Soho and like did the whole thing. And uh, it kind of just happened. And then probably we started posting videos every single day for about a month. And about a month in, it started to really pick up. And then now it's kind of where the show is today. That's kind of what the spark happened, what happened with TikTok. But yes, going back to the DoorDash driver, during all throughout high school, I did DoorDash driving. Uh, <laughs> during high school, I would deliver food and uh, <laughs> I, that's how I made money. But uh, clearly, I don't do that anymore, even though it was a, it was a really good time. Wow, that, that is amazing. And, you know, something that you just said that sticks out to me is you said you didn't feel comfortable from a camera. And that's shocking to me because not only are you amazing in front of a camera, you make people within seconds extremely comfortable to answer whatever question you're giving them. So like, how, how did you, you know, evolve you know, feeling comfortable and also getting people to open up so quickly? I think it honestly took a lot of practice. And I always 
wanted to be a performer. Like when I was little, I auditioned for Disney Channel. I auditioned for commercials. I did not get any of them, but I always knew I wanted to do some kind of performing. And once I got more comfortable in front of the camera, and I think also what helped a lot was seeing the audience's reactions to me, like all of their validations kind of made me feel a little bit more comfortable and like, okay, people are seeing what I'm doing. I can really really given my all now and I, and I didn't feel uncomfortable or embarrassed or anything. So I really wanted to test it. And also, like you said, making people feel comfortable on camera within like three seconds. That's my number one goal. Like, like that's, that, that I'm, I'm glad that you say that because I want everyone to feel so comfortable on my show. And uh, somebody told me the other day, they're like, it's crazy. You could tell, you could get somebody to tell their deepest, darkest secret on the show when, where you have 2 million followers and they'll just They'll, they won't even realize that they're saying it to that many people. They just think it's you and them. They forget that there's a camera there. Because I, I, I love to make my, my, my you know, interviewee feel very comfortable. Um, and I, I don't really know the answer as to how I do that. I, I try to pretend almost the camera's not even there and just to have a conversation with just one-on-one and make them feel as comfortable as possible. You know, I think it's good for all the creators that are tuning into this to, like, take the time and go binge watch What's Poppin', the What's Poppin' show because it really is – intense it's energetic i mean there's like this huge adrenaline rush with it because you just go in you ask a very intimate question and you get a very energetic response and and it's very obvious that it's candid that that you know, people are being very genuine and they and they're saying it for the first time or seeing you for the first time and um i've recommended the show you know uh, several times just based on you i mean doing it with all these different people and it just makes it so interesting so no that no that I mean congratulations with that and um, you know I, I know that eventually you're going to get tens of millions of followers and you're already getting tens of millions of views so you know that's it's a huge accomplishment coming right out of high school you know launching your career pursuing your dreams and I bet I bet there's some advantages there that you tried doing it so early I mean I remember when I was a kid when I was in high school and junior high I was you know I was trying to get away from doing chores for my with my dad because I got like three hernias by moving rocks around. I was like, okay, I'm done. And so wow. I, I, I went out and started trying to get jobs and I ended up having to do like just landscaping, you know, at people's houses up in some mountains and stuff, because I couldn't, I would not get accepted doing fast food. I would not get accepted into call centers. No one wanted my talents, I guess. And luckily I made the effort happen. And I think later in my life, being able to sell businesses and, being a part of the biggest company in the world that does AI and entertainment um, with creators and, and productions, um, you know, it's, it, it, the work has paid off. And it seems like you've just went through that. You know, you're doing DoorDash. You're trying, you know, to do everything you can. You're hustling to be a part of productions and to try out. And then, boom, when most people think there's no opportunity to, like, grow an audience or to be, you know, successful with entertainment, boom, you're doing an interview show when people aren't talking to each other. Right. I know it was very weird timing for the show to happen. And honestly, I think it was the best timing because when the show did come out, most of the comments were saying, this is amazing. We needed humanity back. We needed strangers talking to each other again. And uh, I I was so so happy to give that to people to show that, you know, humanity is coming back. Like uh, COVID is nearing the end, hopefully. And that, you know, that to give people a little bit of hope (laughs) to to back to life. so yeah, that's what we tried to do, and I and I and I was given this opportunity, and I and I really took it, and I was like, this is my shot to make something out of this. And even now too, I really have been using this show 
not just not for the time being, but I want to use this uh, as a leverage for my career for the rest of my life. I want to continue doing hosting, whether it's on television, whether it's a new show on social media. But I really want mm. to, you know, use these hosting skills into some, and turn it into something more. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, maybe you're the you're the future of late night. Um, Who and, knows? And I'd love to be. Mickey. I'd love to be. <laughs> so. uh, you mentioned that you wanted to, you know, create a career and a community on YouTube. Who were some YouTubers or other content creators that inspired you uh, as you know um, through the years? Definitely, I always I have always loved Emma Chamberlain. She's probably my favorite, and uh, the, the I love how relatable she is to her audience, and the audience feels like she knows her. They know her and feels like a friend almost. I actually met Emma like two weeks ago for the first time. It was the coolest thing ever. She was exactly how she is on camera. And then just uh, a bunch of other uh, lifestyle vloggers, people that showed their life in an entertaining way, their day to day, their normal life. And I think it's very interesting how somebody can just show them making coffee in their kitchen, like make it so entertaining. I think it's a, a huge skill yeah. to have that. Oh, for sure. For sure. And um, when it comes to your, all those interviews that you've done so far in the last couple of years, which one was your favorite? Which one just sticks out? And then which one was the most nerve-wracking? The most nerve-wracking, probably. I'm trying to think of... of it's always very nerve-wracking going to people that are a little bit older than me. Like, probably, if they're above 30s, a lot of times... It's very common when people do not want to be interviewed because I am coming up to them, spur of the moment, shocking them almost. A lot of people don't want to talk to me, which is understandable. Um, and usually it's the older people that aren't. So like sometimes if I go up to somebody that's like, uh, you know, 40, 50, 60, they won't give me the nicest response. They sometimes will say something <laughs> a little bit rude back. So I always get very nervous for those, yeah. but it's always in the, in the, in the rare case, they very much surprise me and it can be like the most viral video ever. There's one of my most viral videos ever is with this man, Michael, um, who is like 85 years old and he ended now he's a regular on the show. He comes on all the time. He's a great human. People say that he's the older version of me. Um, and so it's very fun to interview him, but my favorite interview is probably with one of the, uh, I interviewed one of the park workers who works in the park. She picks up the trash in the park. Um, mm -hmm. her name is Shelly. And, uh, I asked her, what's something you, uh, uh, what pisses you off? And she was like everything. And like, she went on and on and on. She was hilarious. She was like meant for the camera and amazing race actually saw that video and she is now a cast member on Amazing Race, which is oh like goodness. so cool. She was working in the park. Now she's on Amazing Race. It was like a, a totally awesome moment for that to happen for her. So I'm so excited and excited to see it. Amazing that happened for her, but it's got to be fulfilling for you too. So fulfilling. And a lot of people that have come on my show get a following just from being on it. They'll be in the comment section. They'll comment. They'll say, uh, this is me. Oh my gosh. They keep having me on. And then a bunch of people follow them. I've had one girl get like 50,000 followers from being on my show. That is the most rewarding, fulfilling thing than any amount of likes I could get. Wow. Well, I mean, why is it successful? Like what are you in interview? I mean, formats have been around for a very long time. Like since like the black and white TV days, you know, I mean, what are you doing differently? That's really resonating. I think for me, I thought a lot about why my show has become so successful because it was honestly a huge shock to me uh, when it did become so popular. But if I, I, I really thought about it. And I think the reason why it's become so successful is um, I think the show is a very positive space. And 
it's a very surprising space. You never know what you're going to get, what reactions, what's going to happen. But at the, but you know, with every single video, there's going to be a happy, positive energy. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I try to bring it to who I am and uh, to who I authentically like want to show how I show myself on camera. Um, and one of the huge things I've really started to do with the show as well, because ever since TikTok has become so popular, there's a lot of interview shows now, especially mm-hmm. in Washington Square Park. Like there's probably like, 50 now. I mean, there's so many. So whenever that did start to happen, I was like, how can we make this show a little bit different than the rest of them? And one of the things we started to do was um, integrating myself a little bit more and like giving, showing my own personal opinion sometimes. And then also asking them questions about me. Like, what do you think about, uh, like, uh, what do you think my vibe is? Or what do you think, like having strangers guess things about me, tying it back to me and making it like my show has been a huge um, difference for other and the difference from other influ- uh, other interview shows because other interview shows are kind of all the same as well. So I'm like, how can we make it more different? How can we branch out? How can we be the best of the best? So it's more like two sided. Yes, exactly. Like you're always a consistent, you know, um, individual that's in the content, and then it's showing your reaction to new people and vice versa. Right. Because sometimes, I mean, a lot, especially in the beginning, it was always me asking the question. I would ask, you know, what are top three, three fashion trends that aren't coming back this year? And then it would just show the person and I would kind of be away for the rest of the video. It would just show me asking. But we, we now we kind of show the vibe between the people. And we really want to, I really want to show like how energies of complete strangers can collapse, can match so well, spur of the moment at first meeting and like human banter is like so awesome, especially with a complete stranger. It's so it's so entertaining to watch because you never know what's going to happen. Have you had fashion brands or fashion events like reach out to you? Yes, uh, a lot, actually. I mean, uh, I just last year I did my first September Fashion Week and I did a, um, a bunch of behind the scenes interviewing stuff. I, I worked with Tori Birch last year and mm. I just recently went to Copenhagen Fashion Week with uh, Ghani, a fashion brand. And uh, I've done a, a bunch of fashion work. I mean, fashion's my favorite, and I love to tie in fashion into my show because it's something I'm very passionate passionate about. So it's been really fun to do that. Well, two years ago when you just started out, did you ever imagine fashion being a part of it? Honestly, no, because my fashion was very different. I've learned a lot, <laughs> uh, but I, I really didn't. And, uh, it I all worked out. Have a, yeah, exactly. I, I, I also one of the huge things I, I my wardrobe on the show is very strategic as well. And my like my hair and everything. I really want to. I really like to play this. Give the persona of this like '90s beach boy in the city. Like that's what I like to give. So I always have. Like, I call it like what's popping attire. Like it's my what's popping uniform. I always like to wear like a fun graphic tee and like you know fun baggy pants and sneakers and whatever. I like to make it very like welcoming and like kind of like ch- childlike almost, especially with my like flowy blonde hair. I, I, it's very strategic. <laughs> no, there was one time where I had hair just like yours, you know, right down the middle. You know. Really? Do you I, I, ever? I, I have natural blonde. I actually put highlights in there. <laughs> yeah, my, mine's highlights too. Oh, is it really? Oh, it's way more natural. me, it was obvious that I was putting Clorox in my hair, you know. <laughs> that was that. Now that was a 90s thing is like using real, you know, uh, what was it? What, what was it? Was it? It wasn't Clorox. I forgot what it was called. Um, Sunnen? Yeah. What, pardon? Was it Sunnen? Oh, yeah. Sunnen. I did Sunnen once, but then there's like this like brown bottle hydroperoxide, or I, I forgot what it's called, but like we would buy that in the store, like in like a, you know, a Kmart or a Walmart and like, and do that. Um, That's serious stuff. Yeah, that was real serious. <laughs> um, so how big is your team? 
So you're going out there, you're doing these interviews. How many people are there with you? Uh, typically there's about, there's just two people with me, my videographer. And then I have my assistant coordinator who's there right next to the cameraman. She kind of helps block off people walking through the camera. And then also uh, she kind of has all the questions printed out so I can like have them at quick reference so I can like see what I want to ask these people. And mm -hmm. she also has these waivers where people sign after I interview them so that they can acknowledge that they're on camera, uh, like a, a release form. Oh, great. And so you have a lot of different questions. Do you literally just like look at someone from a distance and say, this question's for them? Yes. So we have like different questions for different types of people. I mean, some questions work for everyone, but I, I really much, I, I've, I've, I've interviewed so many people now that I can kind of tell what question is fitting for the kind of person. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if somebody's dressed in a, a really fashionable outfit, obviously we're going to ask them about fashion. Um, if somebody is, uh, you know, walking with a friend, they're talking very loud and they seem like they go out a lot, then we'll ask about like relationships or like they are like drinking questions, fun stuff like that. But if somebody's in a corner reading a book, we'll ask them a question, you know, that makes them think a little bit like something about like, if it was your last day on earth, like, what would be your final words, you know, something like that, so, so that's something more serious. It, it just, it all just depends. But definitely it depends on what they're wearing, what they're doing, how they're walking, how they're portraying themselves. Definitely depends on the Yeah, It makes me change the question. Um, um, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 20. You're 20. Wow. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I offered you a drink earlier. So we'll, we'll have to talk about what else I can give you. <laughs> <laughs> a mocktail. <laughs> a mocktail. Okay, great. Well, how's, how's your family reacting to all of this? Because this is still very new, and and in you know you're growing really fast. Uh, um, how, what are, what is their response? They know this was just going to happen, or um, you know, yeah. Please describe like what happened with your family dynamic. Um, my family is is so so incredibly supportive of what I do, and they always say that they're not surprised. Like they they can they they knew this was coming. It's just it was only a matter of time. That's what they always say. Um, my dad is like the most supportive person ever. He's always on all my, you know, business meetings that have to do with like, you know, contracts, logistics, stuff like that. He's always yeah. on the call. He's very involved. Um, my sister, I always, she lives in New York as well. She comes to like every event with me and she's, she, she loves the perks as well. Um, but at the end of the day, they're all very proud of me and they always say that they're not shocked. I mean, uh, it's so funny. I went to the, the Grammys this year and uh, mm. I did a whole, you know, backstage, like live pre-show thing. And my dad like never like said anything about it that I was there. And I, and I called him like a few days after and I was like, you never saw that I was at the Grammys. Like you didn't say anything. And he goes, I was like, are, are you, are you proud of me? Whatever. He's like, he's like, Oh, I thought you already knew that. Like, it's, it's not a shock. Like, of course you're at the Grammys. I would, I would be disappointed if you weren't there, honestly. <laughs> like he, he, He's like, this is, it's not shocking at all. Well, that's the beautiful thing about family. They keep you grounded. They you know, keep they, you grounded. They really do. When I go back home, they don't even they don't even talk about anything I've been doing. They're just like, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> family members will not always know your potential, but you know, they see, I mean, you know, if it's a good, you know, healthy dynamic, they'll see you and you know, you're loved and I mean and, and understood. Um and, and that's really cool that you know your family helps you like navigate all of this because there's a lot of people I know that just do this alone. And 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 it's like it's kind of like the, I mean, being in entertainment and like um, getting exposed to fame so quickly is like really the school of hard knocks. It's complicated. There's a lot of intentions, a lot of agendas out there that you have to navigate and be very, you know, intuitive on how, on, on how you address everything. And I'm, I'm sure you're already seeing it, 
But, you know, you're probably just seeing the tip of the iceberg of what's going to happen in the next couple of years. There's going to be people coming from all angles, you know, whether it's representing you or like trying to get you to pay for something or get behind something. And it gets very overwhelming. And it's really good to have family that can keep you grounded and, you know, help you just, you know, rationally navigate it. Um, no, that's, that's, a, that's amazing. Um, right. That's, that's so true. It's, it's such, it's such a learning curve. I mean, there's so many different things that I never even imagined would be a topic of conversation, you know? Uh, but I'm, I'm so happy that I have my family to help me, you know, nap, especially my dad. He, he, he's, it's honestly good. Cause you know, he knows nothing about this industry that he kind of gives his opinion, unsolicited opinion. And it mm -hmm. kind of helps from like a third party who doesn't really know what he's talking about, but it's like, it's a, it's a logistical opinion always. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's good. I mean, I mean, logistics are always important. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, I mean, what was probably like one experience if, if you can share that was maybe like your biggest culture shock in this new world? Oh, uh, probably my biggest culture shock is probably in general, getting recognized in person has been, like a huge part of my life that I never really considered, I would say, like, I never thought that that would actually happen. I mean, that's something I always like dreamed of, you know, getting recognized in public, but um, probably the biggest culture shock I, as I did uh, pride festival in New York. And I filmed my show during pride because I mean, it's a good time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I could not even, I couldn't film the show because it was literally every two seconds, somebody was coming up to me and it was the most rewarding and like, amazing thing to meet my followers in real life and um it was pretty crazy like i i mean i i took so many selfies that day and it was it's so fun to see my followers in real life because you know you see these usernames and you sometimes don't even think of them as people sometimes you just read something and you're like oh wait wow you're my age like i always i don't know why you're, i don't you, wait, wait, i don't know it, it's very like a it's a very weird feeling to see people irl that follow you has it gotten exhausting at all like with people recognizing you so often? It doesn't get, ex it, it never gets exhausting. Uh, it, it took a lot of like learning and navigating, like for mm -hmm. me, um, because in the beginning I would, every person that came up to me, I would talk to them for like five minutes because, you know, I was so excited to meet them and I wanted to know about them and I wanted to know about the people that followed me. Where And then it got to a point where it was kind of, you know, it would take me an hour to walk like 10 minutes because I would talk to everyone for so long and I love to talk. But one of the, the biggest things I've like navigated is, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, boundaries and saying thank you and whatever, but life must go on. You must go on with your day. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of been the biggest thing that I've learned and just really much. It's been a, a lot of learning. <laughs> no, that's great. No, that's fantastic. So tell me about your creative process. Um, when you start out the day and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're about to, you know, go do some filming, um, like, what is the strategy? I mean, I mean, how, how do you calculate success? Um, do you look at data? Um, um, do you look at performance of other videos? Um, wh what inspires you then also helps you, you know, kind of calculate to, to con be consistently successful? Yes. Um, I'm a huge researcher of my content. So mm -hmm. everything that's posted, whether I, I look at the likes, the views, the comments, what the comments are about, I am very nitpicky about everything. So before I go out and for film for a whole, I, every time I film, I film a week's worth of content. So I film like twice a week and we film uh, for a week's worth. How many videos is that? When you, seven. Like, when you film? Oh, wow. So you, so you film like about seven videos per session? Yes. Okay. Wow. Um, 
yeah, research my content, see what's performing, um, and I'll and I'll see what questions I ask and see uh, if, if it performed very well. I'll kind of take that question, make it spin it, make it a little bit different, and ask it again in a different way, or uh, kind of use that topic and you know make a new question. Um, not only that, but also I've uh, I've learned that when I'm writing questions that I want to ask to people, I've I've had people help me write questions as well. Like I, I have. Uh, my assistant also writes questions for me as well and like comes prepared with new questions and stuff. I've learned that I'm I'm not that great at like just asking random questions if I am not passionate about the question itself. If I'm not curious about the answer, I can't really give much or like if I don't if I don't really have much input, if I don't have my personal opinion on it, it's really hard for me to do it because I like to have that, you know, bonding thing where you give your opinion, I'll give mine, we're back and forth, we maybe debate on the topic. Mm-hmm. If, if I don't really care, then it's not really a great interview. So like, I'll sit down, I'll be like, okay, what is pissing me off this week? What's inspiring me this week? What's making me happy? Like, what am I curious about? And I'll write it all down. So it's all kind of questions that I'm curious about, or I want to talk about. And then I'm like, let's talk about it with somebody else. Let's, 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 let's hash this out together. Okay, so it's, it's kind of like your version of like the writer, the writer's room. Right, um, exactly. No, that's great. Um, what like when you look at your analytics i mean you, you said you look at views i mean is there anything else that you look at that TikTok provides that helps give you insight um i can look at like analytics in the on the back end and kind of see what time their are most of my followers are online uh typically i like to post like at 4 4 p.m kind of when like a lot of my followers are in school so i kind of wait till they're out of, out of school mm. um but other than that we kind of look at the view count and i can always kind of also the comments are very telling because uh, I, I, everyone in the comment section, they want everyone wants to be heard. So it's kind of like, what can we do in the video to make people write something where they want to give their own opinion? So whether it's we be a little bit more controversial or say something that most people won't agree with so that people can comment to make the engagement go up, to get more views. So um, it's interesting to, you know, look at the data and kind of see what works, see what doesn't, and, uh, you know, cre- keep creating successful content. Yeah, well, and it seems like you're, you're really good at organizing unstructured data where you look at the actual video, you look at the comments, you try to find the correlation. I mean, that's, you know, that's something that we actually build AI to do because it can do it better than humans by like looking at the content and correlating it with thousands of other pieces of content. Uh, But but what I'm I'm noticing, and again, this is more of like a personal theory is that, you know, there's a lot of artists out there that are just really good at just looking at all their content, trying to, and and, uh, rather than just looking at the views, just looking at the 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 um, you know analytics, which is you know more of like the structured data, they actually go through and they look at the comments, and then they they, they come up with inspiration and, and areas where they've correlated comments to what they've created, and and so that, no, that's that's very interesting. That I mean, would you say that's like probably one of the more areas that you focus more on is just the comments and as well as just the videos? Yeah, definitely the comments. I mean, it uh, it's. It's very important to look at it. I mean, I I always always look at what, what people say are, are saying about me and what they like about me. I'm like, how can I do that more? You know, um, <laughs> always gotta look at that as well. But like a lot of th- people say, like one of my most common comments is, uh, I love you match their energy. Like you, you you vibe with the person so well, and that's what you said at the beginning of the of mm-hmm. the podcast. I um, I, was, I, I, I try to do that as much as possible because that's what people are seeing and that's what's working. I mean, I don't have to try really because I, I, I really do vibe with a lot of people, but you know, I, I'm like, we need to show that more. It's all in the edit too. The edits are so important.
Mm, right. So tell me more about the editing process. So I'm lucky enough. I have two amazing editors that edit my videos for me, but uh, they would laugh at this because I am very, very, very nitpicky on my edits for the show. Um, so whenever I do record in person, after the video is over, I quickly write down everything that I can remember that I want in the video. So I'll like type out what the video title is or what the question I asked was. And then I'll be like, like, uh, take out this part that I said this, don't use that, use this thing that that was funny, this wasn't funny, take this part out, um, you use a photo reference for this, what she said here. Um, like, so they'll kind of have a gist of what I want before they even get the footage. Right when they get the footage, they'll have my notes. And then they'll send them to me and then I'll come back with, with, with so many more. Like every, I always like every point, every second on TikTok is so important because uh, the viewership rate, like the uh, audience retention, I think is what it's called, is so incredibly important on TikTok because if you scroll away and you don't watch the full video, then your engagement will go down and it won't get as many views. So like I'll, I'll literally tell my editor, I'll be like the point two seconds at the end of the video, take it off. It's so important, you know. I'm like very, wow. very nitpicky about it. You know what? That that is a superpower because I bet a lot of the creators that you grew up watching that like have you know tens of millions of followers. There's a lot of these vloggers that still do their own editing, or they or they just they, they 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 can't let go of that control. But the fact that you've been able to do that, it's going to help you scale more, and so you can be much more focused on the on like the vision and the, and 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 you know the creative ideas. Um, I mean, th this is a huge step, I think, in the, you know, in a, in, in a creator's journey of being able to have trusted editors that you just know are going to do a good job. And, and, and it makes it so you're even more proactive on just making sure the right content's in there. Um, and then they can edit it, they can, then you can analyze it and then just confirm that, okay, actually it can be a little better. I would have never guessed with your program that there would have been that much thought through the editing. You know, I mean, and you're because like, they're such short videos, and and you just said every second counts. Um, right. Did you ever learn like, okay, if we do it this way, if we edit it a certain way, it's not going to perform as well? Like, is there is there anything that you can reference where you where you learned that? Absolutely. I mean, there's a million little techniques that there's kind of like what's popping rules that me and my editors kind of follow, mm -hmm. um, like. One of the rules is if there's a celebrity mentioned, you have to like show a photo, like just reference to make it more engaging to the viewer. Um, and we, I, one of the huge, huge things is I always say, and they probably hate this, that I say this zero seconds of silence. So like I'll ask the question and then a, an immediate cut to what their answer is. There's no lag. There's no lull because we want it to be as quick as possible to almost where you're like, what's going on? Like, this is so quick. But sometimes if, if it's awkward and you want to embrace the awkwardness, then you'll, then you'll use the silence. But overall, sure. kind of zero seconds of silence um, and, you know, making it as quick as possible, as high energy as we can make it. Um, those are kind of like the rules that we, we, we like to follow. Oh, and also under 30 seconds, always under 30 seconds. Always under 30 seconds and no silence. No silence. Um, no, I hate silence. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I, I guarantee there's a there's a handful or a bunch of creators or YouTubers that are trying to figure out TikTok right now. They're going to hear that, and that's going to be extremely helpful and important to them um, in the future. No, no, thank you for sharing that. Like that's a, that's a true like gem. You know, I I don't like to talk about AI all the time, but unfortunately, I always default into it. But what we've learned is when we're looking at all the data. 
both, you know, like the stuff that you put in the spreadsheet as well as like the visuals, the, 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 the video or the large groups of texts or, or the audio. If we're trying to accomplish an engagement where like someone clicks on something or if they're going to go purchase something, um, what the AI has taught us is that the audio is one of the most important features in order to make that happen. Um, and, and it's not just, you know, a call to action, but it's how the video is edited and how the, the audio is leveraged. And so hearing this from you, um, you know, that's actually very interesting. It's going to make me look at TikTok much differently in the future of, you know, of, you know, this gem of like high energy, make sure there's, you know, I mean, if, if there's a lag, it better be perfect. <laughs> right. So, make how, the lag how, purposeful, you know? Mm, sure. Um, so what do you want to do in five years? Where do you see yourself in five years? I want to continue hosting uh, in any capacity. Uh, I really, really want to do television. That's kind of my dream. And uh, whether, you know, late night, daytime talk show, anything. I mean, that's definitely uh, a stretch. But uh, I, I really want to do television uh, in any way I can. I'd love to just continue hosting. So how do you define television? I'd love to see that from your perspective, because what's so interesting is, you know, you have like, let's say Netflix and people are saying, oh, let Netflix is losing subscribers. But the truth is, you know, Netflix is bigger than the top seven cable networks combined. But then if you look at TikTok or if you look at Instagram or like YouTube, where like 82% of the viewers on YouTube are creators, it's ginormous compared to like all of TV combined. So when you say hosting or like when you say television, are, are you seeing it as like being on like ABC or NBC? Or are you seeing it as like an extension of what you're doing where like it's on TikTok, it's on YouTube, it's on um, specific types of platforms? Or are you thinking literally going, you know, the, the direction of like more linear television or cable television? I mean, either, you know, uh, cable television, ABC, NBC, all of those, or any streaming platform. What's funny is people ask me, and uh, people think it's funny, is uh, my show on TikTok gets a, a lot of views, and it probably gets more views than if I were to be on TV, which is interesting. So people ask me, like, why would you want to be on TV? Like, you get way more views <laughs> than what TV would be. And my answer to that is, I just think it's cool. <laughs> I got <laughs> I'm like, that is sick. Yeah, I got to make my 12 year old self proud. Like I got to be on TV. That's what I want to do. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, I mean, we call it TV, but the truth is whether it's Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel, like everything's streaming now. Like you'll find it on some SVOD platform. It will be on YouTube. It will be on TikTok. And so it's kind of all, you know, mushed together in a way where, you know, if you're if you're having success with late night, it is distributed everywhere, and um, but but yeah, I, I wanted to see that from your perspective because because early days like like 15 years ago when we were when I was first working with creators, that was the goal. Where creators wanted to become actors, right? Or they wanted to be on television, and then. About 10 years ago, I just saw this really big shift where like, no, no, thank you. I'm going to make way more money doing what I'm doing and building my own media empire. And, and, and so maybe, you know, you can do both. You build your, your media empire and then you have a late night show through it. 
Right. I mean, I definitely want to continue doing both. I'm never going to give up on, uh, you know, social media. That's where I started. Right. But yeah. I think leverage using both and a, a mix of both uh, would be very fun and uh, a good blend. No, 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 that's great. And so continue to host, you know, that thing. I mean, that's obviously up your alley. Do you ever see yourselves wanting to do any other types of content outside of interviews and hosting? Is there anything that's just calling you? Um, I don't know. I really do on my, per I have a personal page on TikTok as well. And I do a lot of, uh, vlogs where I like show my life and give my followers kind of a behind the scenes into what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's very fun for me to kind of have a, um, have my followers, uh, or get people to, to see kind of the behind the scenes of my life or get to know me a little bit better on a personal level is very, very fun for me and kind of have to have that like online community is really sick so i, I want to continue doing that and uh you know showing my followers my life and um also show i love to show my sense of humor and mm -hmm. like make people laugh in any way in any way i can um do you use the platform be real i do use be real yes what are your thoughts on it i like be real except for it always goes off when i'm doing the most boring thing so it looks like my life is very, very lame. Like every time it goes off when I'm like in bed, when I'm like taking a break from my like busy day. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think it's an awesome idea. I, I, I'm curious to see where it will go because I know it's like the number one app on the app store right now and, and social media or it's nearing it. Like it's right hand in mm -hmm. hand with TikTok right now. Um, so I'm curious to see where it will go. Um, I think there's a lot of potential with it. I think where it is at right now, I don't think it has much longevity. I mm -hmm. think it's one of those like fads, but mm -hmm. I think if they did, did a few tweaks and they uh, did something, maybe video or I don't know, they could do something really cool there. Maybe it's like, I, one of my ideas for Be Real was to do like, if it were to pop up and you have to give a 30 second update on what's going on in your life right now and it's a video, because mm. I think video is so in right now. In term, instead of pictures, I think that would be an interesting like take on the beat reel too. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And seeing the other side, you know, the phone and how people are reacting to what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is this guy talking about? That's good. I like that. <laughs> well, you know, unfortunately, my first time using be real is when I like had a wake up call that I'm an old fart because <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll take a selfie of myself and be real. I take a picture and it's like, there's like this like blank wall in front of me. And then like a, like a, a an awkward photo of me smiling. And so I was like, Oh shoot. I am, I am losing relevance so quickly. Cause I always uh, saw myself being this new media person being ahead of the curve and then be real. It was kind of like a slap in the face for me. Like, Whoa. Yeah. This, this, this is awkward. So yeah, I don't know how, I don't know the longevity of it either. Um, my question is how do you build an audience there and just, making sure that you intimately are connecting with your community and and then is there a way of like monetizing that other than just like having like you know a bag of chips you know in your picture at a store i mean right so i i feel like be real is uh can be a good place for content creators i personally right as of now i have it with just my friends but I mean, there's been a lot of my followers that have like tried to request me on there and I haven't accepted them. But I think if I were to and they were to follow me on there, I think it'd be an interesting way just to have your followers see like this like glimpse into your life that like kind of like secret access almost mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. kind of to have your followers engage with you a little bit more and like to feel like they know you a little bit better 
And it's always good to have your followers feel like they know you and to, to really get to connect with you. That That's like the, the connection is so important in the sense of com- community. So I feel like that could be a great way for like content creators to be like, add me on Be Real, see what I'm actually doing. Not just what I do on like Instagram where, you know, that is very curated. Be Real is, you know, the real, real stuff. You're getting like the real behind the scenes. That's interesting. You know, someone should maybe tell the CEO of Be Real to have a paywall. Right. You know, like for true, uh, you know, authentic and genuine, you know, I guess, experiences. True, authentic. And like maybe like even they add that video feature as well. Like you do a 30 minute update to your followers. Like what's going on at this very moment? Like that's sick. Yeah. Like it shows that what you can do impromptu and impulsively. And, right. and, and the, you know, like it might be obvious if you're staying in one location for hours waiting for that alert. <laughs> I think I, I just ignore them. Like, okay, cancel, skip. <laughs> and I ignore them all. And I do them like hours later when I'm doing something actually cool. <laughs> Davis, we have a community of 11 million creators um, on, on our platform, TubeBuddy, where we help creators be data-driven and optimizing their videos and growing their audiences. And, and, and primarily for YouTube. Um, these creators are always looking for advice and inspiration. Um, and a lot of them are just up and coming creators. And many of them maybe only have tens of thousands of followers, but have been doing this for years. What advice would you give this two buddy creator community? My advice for any like content creator, anyone who's making content is create content for yourself and nobody else. If you can't watch your own video 10 times over, then it's not a good video. So <laughs> I think, like, that's what I always say. I think it's it's so true. I, I can always tell when one of my videos is going to do well or not well. It's, it's when I genuinely laugh at the video myself or I find it entertaining. I think it really can shine through. So I feel like people see t- different trends and whatever. They feel like they have to follow that because that's what everyone else is doing. No, do what you like, what you want to create, what makes you happy, and you will find an audience that resonates with you. I mean, I don't click with everyone. No, not everyone likes my content, but there's a specific group of people that do. And if you, uh, if you like, uh, you know, washing dishes in a weird way, you'll find a community that washes dishes in a weird way. You know, it's like everyone will find your content. Your, your right audience will find your content. The, the audience will find you. If you create content that you love and it's for you, and you're passionate about it. You need to find something you're passionate about. Oh, that's great. No, thank you so much. What inspires you? What inspires me, especially with my content, is the people I'm around. I mean, it, it's, it's especially New York City inspires me. It's such a driven place. I feel like this has really helped me get my creative juices flowing. What inspires me is uh, these conversations with, with, that I have with these people that we can all be so different yet so similar uh, that it's, 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 it's really, really inspiring to, to interview all these people and get so many different opinions and be open-minded. And, you know, that's, a, that's really what inspires me. No, that's, that's amazing. Well, you know, we're living in a really special time. I, <clears throat> many people call it the creator economy. I personally call it the era of the artist, you know, a very neglected, marginalized and abused trade is finally coming into power. And I think, you know, it's going to stay in power. It's not going to be about centralized organizations or kingdoms or religions that distribute and control what people see that is both art and as well as self-expression. And, you know, I, 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 
it, for me, it's just very exciting because I wouldn't consider myself a creative or an artist. I'm, I'm, I'm self-proclaimed creative, but like I will never monetize it. <laughs> and, and um, you know, it's, it's a very special time because you get to see so many perspectives across the, the planet. Um, you know, there's 200 million creators. And the more content we watch and the more ex- self-expression we see, I think the more inclusive we become. And, you know, probably the more empathy that we build in, in, in our hearts. And <clears throat> I think it's going to be something that changes everything. Like to hear stories that soldiers that are currently at war are thinking twice about being at war because of the content they're seeing on TikTok. If that's not inspiring, you know, that's, you know, I don't know what is. And I, and so I actually think this renaissance of art that we're seeing is going to improve humanity. And the content that you're creating makes people smile. If someone's going through a tough time, it might, you know, boost their, 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 their mood or their day. And I, I just get so excited that when a lot of people lose hope thinking, oh, there's no chance for me to be successful in creating content. It's too late. And then here you come in the middle of quarantine and you just explode and just in less than two years get over, you know, two million followers. You know, that's something where I think all these creators are watching this. Um, you know, it should be an area where they should feel validated and realize, okay, there is something here. And maybe it's not going to be as big as you or where you're going. Maybe it's going to be more niche. But as we go and shell, share our self-expression, I think it really does help many people around us. And, and, um, and so, like, one question I have for you is, you know, you obviously have collaborated and been able to, you know, make some money with brands. What do you think is going to be the future of monetization for content creators like you to be able to self-sustain, um, you know, to be able to do art and content full time? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting what you said uh, that I feel like self-expression and being an independent is like really cool right now. And I feel like it wasn't cool for a while. Like I feel like now out of all times, it's like, it's weird to like to fit in kind of. It's like, oh, you're like everyone else? Like no, like you gotta be different. Like I think being different is so cool right now. But aside from that, I think for the creator economy in terms of like longevity, I think you gotta expand your audience on all platforms is so crucial. Uh, you know, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you can, and um, creating a community. Like, uh, I think you can create great videos, but do people like you and will they follow you in whatever you do? Uh, So I, you can create, you can create viral videos all you want, but when you're 20 years down the line, 15 years down the line, if you're not as funny anymore, or you're not as pretty anymore, or anything, Will your audience still, will they, will they care about your heart? Do they care about your heart and will they follow you in whatever you do? I think that's really important. And that's what I really try to do as well is like people follow me for my heart and, you know, they get to know me a little bit better. I think that's, that's really important for longevity. Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, I guess one thing that anyone that's in entertainment or content or marketing or media, one thing that they all have in common is that there's is an obsession of human attention and you know it used to be a thing where you just make a commercial and you just force it in front of as many people as possible you, you get them to watch it whether it's you know on twitter or if it's on tv or 
um, you know, if, you know, it's, it's a melon, you know, um, ad through an envelope. I mean, there's always been this, um, like spirit of like disruption and like getting your attention and kind of forcing it. And I believe like the future of attention and human attention is consensual. People consent it. Um, they'll watch what they want to watch. And, and what's beautiful about that is maybe, you know, there's a lot of things changing today where there's privacy issues where people do not want a brand or an organization to know their name, to know how old they are, to know where they live and know if they have a dog. And, and, and one thing that we're noticing, especially from a predictive analytics perspective, as we work with technology, it's not about knowing that it's Sarah that lives in Missouri with a poodle. It's about what content is out there that has a loyal group and a loyal community and how are they going to react to that content or your involvement of collaborating with that content. And so I think, you know, as we usher in this, you know, creator economy or this new era of the artist, you know, it's, 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 you know, hand in hand leading with consensus. And I think that's going to be something that has a bigger impact than any of us, you know, can imagine for the future. Um, Davis, you're so inspiring. Again, thank you so much for like being a part of this program. And I'm so excited just to see your future. You know, you're doing it right. You're making very intelligent and data-driven decisions. And I'm really excited to see where you are in five to 10 years. And I think you're going to make a lot, a huge difference in entertainment and media. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And thank you for having me on. It was so much fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And everyone, be sure to subscribe and uh, we'll see you later.